1: Look at him. Listen, I'm watching
2: CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything
1: in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Good afternoon, gentle listeners, and welcome to Yeah, Na Passaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And joining us today from the University of Leeds is Dr. Meta Vigan, who is a lecturer with a research interest in Scandinavia, welfare, chauvinism, and the far right. Thanks for joining us, Meta. Thank you. Just to begin with, could you tell us a little bit about how you started researching the far
0: right? Well, I've been interested in politics since I was a teenager, and I was very interested in anti racism. And uh, when I grew up, the far right. Norwegian Progress Party was growing very much and uh, I used to argue with my classmates about uh, politics then and ever since it's become more and more important and prominent everywhere and uh, I then drifted into studying and social anthropology, history and uh, in the end I came to the UK and did a PhD in politics also with focus on the change in Scandinavia the end of Scandinavian exceptionalism and the growth of the far right and uh, neoliberalism
2: do you find yourself having the same kinds of arguments you did when you were in high school
0: no I don't probably because I'm I live in a bubble I don't meet those people anymore but you know everywhere you know if you venture outside of university and friendship circles it's uh, it's pretty much the same same or worse i think also i noticed i never considered myself as an immigrant for example in the uk i just thought i was here for a while and then became 29 years suddenly but only after brexit i started to realize that yeah well i am an immigrant and the same arguments are just being used by moderate mainstream parties and uh, media now
2: you've made reference to scandinavian exceptionalism what was or is This exceptionalism, and how does that relate to concerns over ethnic and racial composition, uh, immigration, and, I guess, uh, neoliberalism?
0: Well, I think for a long time, it was uh, based on universal welfare state, where pretty everybody got more or less the same and it was supported by um, people and parties from across the spectrum and then come the like early 1990s with the rise of Reagan Thatcher and also the the right in in Scandinavia with the ideology of individualism of um, welfare being for, for people who were or, the, or natives people who were there already and the idea that social democracy equality sharing being part of an international community helping and welcoming refugees was uh, became to became uh, very contentious
2: and in terms of how this I guess what you might describe as being a social democratic consensus across Scandinavia, you've noted the emergence of doctrines associated with Reagan and Thatcher. I'm assuming that when these ideas and practices first began to enter into Scandinavian discourse and politics, there was, I guess, resistance to it. And yet here we are uh, 20, 30 years later, those resistances seem to have been broken down considerably. Can you describe how that's occurred and what, if any, kind of resistance remains in 2021?
0: Well, I suppose the country where the resistance has remained the longest is Sweden, where neither the, the mainstream left or the right agreed on uh, on focusing on immigration, for example, on, on, on the idea that immigrants were coming to, to sponge off the welfare state and that it was... You know they they should be and enti- have the same same entitlement as every everybody else, but at the same time I think both in all the three countries that I'm looking at Norway Denmark and Sweden there has been more or less consensus around this idea that uh, the old social democratic system uh, didn't work anymore. And that uh, we couldn't afford or they couldn't afford the welfare state as it was any longer because partly of because of immigration, Because, but this was also ideological. And this was also something that the, the social democratic parties and um, especially in Denmark and, and, and Norway started to agree on. And slowly, it's a bit like um, in the UK with Blair. That uh, you know this idea that you could have that you you had to privatise the public sector. It had to make profit, and it was more and more welcoming of uh, welfare profiteers into the public sector, into nursing homes, um, nurseries, school services in hospitals, etc., etc. And and the, the the resistance now, I think. You can see, especially in both in Norway and, and in Sweden, there are some strong leftist parties that uh, in Sweden the, the, the left party got about more than seventy seven percent in the last elections in two thousand and eighteen for example, in Norway, there are several parties that i I would say are on the left, but that doesn 't amount to very much it's it's less than both less than than ten and, and one that 's called red is probably won't be able to get over the their four percent threshold to come and get into the parliament next time, but there is another party in Norway that's very interesting. Now that I really don't understand whether they are left or right, but they are challenging this, and this is the first time since the the far right started to challenge the the um, the access to welfare for natives that uh, actually this party is is um, looking after the. Uh, People who are are losing out when it comes now especially now during COVID, they're concerned about their jobs, and they're talking to them. They're travelling around the country, and interviewing people, and uh, showing that they care. And it's also, this is a rural, rural party that is um, that is can also see that because of their very strict line on immigration. Local communities across Norway are suffering from it because they don't have enough people and, and they need more young people to start businesses and be part of society.
2: So would you agree that neoliberal doctrines, when they were initially introduced into Scandinavian societies, were uh, largely an elite project as opposed to uh, emanating from below?
0: Yes, I think it was, Definitely. But, you know, with support, both both in Denmark and and in Norway, the uh, far-right parties, they were now liberal parties, so they were part of that and they were pushing for it and they were growing. So this is something that the social democrats are always worried about.
1: Meta, could you speak to this concept of welfare chauvinism and the way that welfare is sort of used in far-right narratives throughout Scandinavia?
0: Well, it was the far-right parties that uh, that started... uh, Putting this on the agenda that um, we we could they they very much embrace the welfare state. They want some kind of welfare state, but I don't think that people who haven't paid into the tax uh, system, who haven't worked, who have only living off welfare. This is also compl- of course uh, hugely exaggerated because all all societies uh, are depending on on immigrant labour. Welfare chauvinism has to do with the idea that there should be different access to the welfare state depending on your background and how entitled you are depending on you know where you come from how long you've stayed in the country how much you have worked etc etc
2: is that the kind of thing would that lead to a kind of segmentation in, in terms of welfare policy as in there would be differential rates of not only access but payment how, how is this meant to actually manifest in terms of policy
0: it has worked. In in, um, in Denmark, for example, they have had some kind of dualistic welfare state since, or welfare systems since uh, 2001, when the far-right party was pushing for it and, and supporting that. And before that was introduced there was especially for on the left there was a lot of resistance against it but after it was introduced surveys have shown that even on on the left people who consider themselves on the on the left they agree with it they they think it's right and and i was i was shocked i watched channel 4 um, tv here in uh, a couple of weeks ago um, a journalist was interviewing some people on on the beach in denmark a beautiful place where you know where where Shakespeare's Hamlet was was set by the castle and an old lady, lovely looking grandmother, was asked what she thought about their welfare state and how Denmark now are treating refugees, Um, this idea that um, Damascus is safe and that uh, refugees should be sent back there. And she just answered by saying, there's something rotten in Denmark. There's something so rotten here and she said people have been living here for 20 30 years and they don't speak Dan- Danish and they give can't, they don't give anything back and they come here and claim welfare and this is this is kind of normal this this is absolutely normal to think and say it's not just the, the fascists in the streets attacking immigrants
2: i guess the changes in popular discourse or public discourse around these matters to what extent has this been informed by uh Scandinavian media is it the case that Major, uh, you know, media organisations in um, Scandinavia are helping to perpetuate these sorts of uh, claims and, and the underlying ideology.
0: Unfortunately, yes, there has also been, a, you know, a, a steady privatisation, commercialisation of, of the media and the. Uh, the media in norway has uh, several times been been accused by the council of europe for focusing too much on uh, negative issues related to immigration and immigrants for example so absolutely and and now during the pand- pandemic how you know journalists are opening news programs by talking about um, import infection for example showing um, statistics how um, many People who are born abroad are infected by COVID compared to people who are born in Norway without any any thought of linking that to socioeconomic issues.
1: Speaking of the pandemic, I guess uh, Sweden has been held up by, well, not even the far right, just the, the right around the world as sort of the gold standard in a, a laissez-faire approach to tackling COVID to some, you know, or to a, you know a great amount of tragedy. Yeah. Uh, but Sweden, of course, has a, you know, a leftist Government, how has the far right in Sweden navigated all of this?
0: Well, they think. Well, yeah, it's 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 hard for them because now I think it's hard for the far right everywhere because uh, you know most governments have moved to the right and closed down and started uh, or or. or Made a big distinction between immigrants and uh, the native population everywhere, but uh, in Sweden, that's it's it's <laughs> it's a scandal. I think it's been you know that the way they uh, have have dealt with COVID from from uh, last year, with the um, Anna Ternell, who's the chief epidemiologist of the public health agency, was saying that oh, we don't wear masks in Sweden, we stay at home when we're ill. They become a symbol of, of kind of anti-mask anti-lockdown and um, covid deniers across the world and the social democratic prime minister was kind of just agreed with that bit. but it's in sweden it's the public health agency who is in charge of the day-to-day running or, or dealing with the virus in december uh, they they decided that it was a good idea to to advise people to wear face masks, for example. But you look at the statistics. Tynell is still insisting that uh, they're doing more or less the same as everywhere else in our, by all other countries. He said that recently that our strategy is similar to, to those adopted by all all countries. I think you know <laughs> the uh, the politicians or the, or the governments of uh, Norway and Denmark. I think were shocked to hear that because in Sweden. 30, more than thirteen thousand six hundred had died last time I checked in Norway. Only six hundred and eighty-four in Denmark. Two thousand something. And Sweden is bigger than than both Denmark and Norway, but it's 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 ten million in Sweden and five in, in the two others, more or less. So it's it's tragic. But of course, at the same time, the Sweden Democrats, the, the far right party there, they have. Uh, have not managed to to profit on it so much they got in the last elections they got seventeen point six percent now i checked today uh, the the poll at nineteen but still the social democrats are, are polling at twenty seven percent and the um, the mainstream right also uh, twenty two i think they've only managed to to stay more or less where, where they are, because the the other parties are doing more or less what they suggested in the beginning, and they have managed to, they have they haven't managed to find a niche there because they have continued that. The government and the public health agencies—they're also, you know, um, putting a lot of emphasis on on um, immigrants who who are not protecting themselves, etc. But p- immigrants who worked in the health sector or in, in in nursing homes last year, they they started saying that they thought. Um, not only immigrants, but people who worked in that sector, they started to say they thought they might be bringing it to the old people in the nursing homes. And they didn't have masks. They didn't have any protective equipment. And it was frowned upon and, and uh, it was deemed to not be needed. And and was say, saying that we, we ha- just have to achieve herd immunity. And we, and we see that now. And I, I find what I don't understand is that now, after so much death and mystery in Sweden, he still doesn't say that they've done or doesn't realise that they've done anything wrong. As, it's as if it's okay to sacrifice the old ant immigrants.
1: You're listening to 3CR, 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We're currently talking to Dr. Meta Viggen about the Scandinavian far right. I think in the UK, where we saw the right pushing for this herd immunity idea, and it seemed sort of telling that so many of the sort of big names pushing that idea had also been caught out, you know, attending eugenics conferences and things. Is there a history of that sort of thinking in Sweden at
0: all? Yes, absolutely. There is. I, you know, I don't. Research that link, but there is, for example, they when you look at the Sami population and forced sterilisation until the 1970s, both in Sweden and Norway. I know some people are writing on this now and linking it to this idea that we, the this is something that needs to to run, uh, and that uh, you know the fittest will survive. Absolutely,
2: there's been a range of right parties emerge in the last few decades across. Scandinavia. You've made reference to the uh, anti-immigration progress party in Norway. And I, I think there's been a series of scandals and, and all sorts of things going on which have tended to undercut their appeal. But I'll, I'm wondering one case in particular it concerns a minister and their partner being implicated in a uh, supposed uh, left-wing attack, which was later revealed to be the product of the the minister's partner. Can you? I think that's the case of uh, Bertussen. Can you yeah. um, briefly explain what exactly that was about and, and what's come of it?
0: Well, it's it's bizarre. It was a it was a a, a play at the theatre that was was focusing on on immigration and on where the where the party was enough you know, use as. To show how how bad they are for for immigrants and for Norway, and then the uh, she uh, she she went and uh, and painted uh, uh, Nazis or I can't remember exactly what he was, but on on their own car and on the house, and it became a big uh, police investigation, and and uh, her her husband had to step down from his. Uh, from his ministerial job, and she was charged, and I think she 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 was given two two years in prison. Well, that I'm not entirely sure how what what happened next there, but uh, but this is this uh, very very strange, and it's also very strange. I think that the that the uh, the mainstream conservatives kind of they believed it when it happened that it was a leftist group, and it was maybe the people who were for the theatre had done it. They, but they never achieved, received an apology, for example. And now it's kind of fizzled out, as if it's if it's nothing. But this is it's just so crazy, so ridiculous. I'm I'm surprised the whole world wasn't there to to inspect the the you know the spectacle.
2: I mean, I, I assume that one of the reasons this case was given credibility initially was because it was understood that this was the kind of activity that a uh, you know, a radical left group might engage in. Is there any kind of sense in which uh, the left generally is being demonised within these societies? And is there any linkage between this uh, mode of demonization uh, of the left with that of, um, you know, uh, immigrants and, uh, you know, non, uh, non-natives?
0: i'm sorry could you say that again i don't think i don't i don't think there is a a massive demonization of the of the of, of the left in in norway I, th- I think the left is is you know relatively weak and small but i don't think there is a a an active demonization of the left in that sense
2: yeah i guess i mean in terms of you know depending on who um understands the term, but I would assume that in terms of uh, uh, anti-racist organising and the uh, advocacy of the rights of migrants and refugees and so on, that's understood as being a a leftist cause. So there might be some grounds to think that there's some kind of, you know, the left is also determined to, uh, you know, overturn Scandinavian society and is implicated in some kind of Notion of you know some kind of uh, great replacement of indigenous populations within that part of the world.
0: Yeah, I see. Yes, of course. This is this is something that that is is definitely there, and we saw with the with the attacks and the and the killings in in uh, 2011 uh, on the island of the of the leftist youth there, and uh, how the ideas. Of uh, of an invasion of, of Muslims, for example, is not something that is just a, f- a fringe uh, concern. So yeah, I think I think that is the case. But also there is a, there is kind of a a mainstreaming of gaslighting. I think if, for example, now after after the debates of um, Black Lives Matter here and this this was a commission saying that uh, you know. Um, institutional racism, racism doesn't exist in the UK. Um, now they also want to commission in Norway to probably find out the same. But so anybody who's raising issues around institutional racism or racism, and microaggression, uh, are being, I think, very much gaslighted or silenced, both in, in the media and in, in politics, as if you know, racism is only what you see. And, uh, and what you say as if you know, uh, the underlying institutional issues don't exist because they haven't been. People don't want to accept that they, they are because they haven't been implemented with the idea of being racist, if you, if you, I've if made myself clear.
2: Mm. Um, um, and one reason I make reference to the Great Replacement is because you've written about the case of um, Philip Manshaus who uh, undertook uh, an abortive uh, terrorist attack several years ago and he apparently was a big fan of the Christchurch killer and also Anders Breivik. And this incident, along with that of others, has been interpreted as meaning there's a rise on the the right but there's also a reinvigorated uh, neo-Nazi movement in Scandinavian societies I wonder if you have any uh, observations to make about the specific role of more straightforwardly fascist or neo-Nazi elements in the far right in Scandinavia.
0: Well, I think in international comparison this is really weak. Norway is... it's not very strong, but this, this Nordic resistance movement exists. It's much, much stronger in Sweden. But I think what's happened, especially now in the last year, it's, um, it, it's moved online. So it's, it's kind of global. And it's very difficult to know exactly uh, what is going on because it's been so quiet on the streets, and you know, there are very, very, very few street movements. Anyway, there aren't any in Norway. In Sweden, we've seen the, the Nordic resistance movement, uh, but uh, they also they they also uh, more or less disappeared this 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 year. But I I think there is. Something going on when it comes to radicalization online, um, and the people at the, at, uh, the C Rex or uh, C in Oslo, the Center for Extremism, who are looking into this, um, as, and, um, and they have argued that uh, there's been an explosion of, of uh, really extreme activity online, and the, the police is concerned about it and, and looking into it. But uh, there is there is it's not visible. Well actually, I know that's 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 wrong. It's I'm saying it's not visible now, but you know, only a, a couple of years ago, there were people, oh, in in, in, this, in last year, there were people demonstrating outside a synagogue in Oslo, and they were definitely from the Nordic Resistance Movement.
2: One reason I think, I guess, the when you speak of the uh, international dimensions of neo-Nazism and the influence that keyboard Nazis have is that the NRM uh, within um, Currents of Australian fascism is often uh, pointed to as being a kind of model, something worthy of uh, emulating in Australia and various other societies across the world.
0: Yeah, well, I think think what you what you can see is that they have established themselves in in especially in Sweden in some in some um, communities. For example, they have had they have had a. A conscious plan to to move to to, to small towns and set up uh, their communities there, trying to, to infiltrate the their local communities and and politics. So, that in in that sense, they I think they have been rather successful. They're also in a small town in Sweden. They are actually in the the um, the local uh, council the stage and um, the stage some kind of um, electoral uh, attack on the uh, on the Sweden Democrats because they think they're too uh, too moderate and uh, managed to to get in one
1: development over the past few years on the far right that has uh, certainly energized a lot of people has been the rise and let's say so the fall of Donald Trump has trumpism made its way to Scandinavia
0: Oh yes, absolutely. We have in, in Norway we have a we have a politician who's uh, who'll be the new new leader of the uh, of the um, far right party Listurg. She's often been called the the Norwegian Trump. Uh, she's a Christian evangelist who says things like, "We don't um, where well, we eat pork and and we drink uh, alcohol in Norway." <laughs> so if you want to be here and do that. She's, she's a fan of Trump and um, very charismatic, um, sweet talking, good looking woman who I suspect we're going to see much more of in the future.
2: And uh, I guess finally, Meta, what are the sources of opposition to the uh, demonization of uh, migrants within Scandinavian societies? Is it simply a party affair or are there other organizations that are defending? Uh, migrants rights and uh workers' rights
0: although oh, many there are many organizations include uh, um it's um trade unions for example but also a, a world of organizations in 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 all the countries youth movements and uh, movements linked to to universities and uh Sites where people are music, for example, art. Uh, there was a big campaign recently in Oslo where many organisations got together. Also, they had they had input from the from the UN where they had a campaign, um, like a pic with photos across Oslo showing photos of of um, brown and black people and with quotes. Or what have been uh, um, what kind of racism they had received uh, in on public transport, for example. So there is there is a lot going on, and also we have you know there is it's often it's also linked to political parties. There isn't there isn't even on there isn't even on the on the right. I think a, a kind of a, a clear uh, anti-immigrant in terms in the sense of racist policy. Uh, and and sentiment it's all about you know immigrants are okay if they work if they behave if they become Norwegian uh but if not that's that's another matter um libraries schools there's a lot going on to to like as a counter narrative to this and and also I think that's that uh um, younger people will not put up with this anymore and I think maybe also uh you know, they, the uh, Social Democrats moving so far to the right, becoming so anti-immigrant, um, will not be able to uh, to continue with that because also they are depending on on, on votes from, from people who are descendants of, of immigrants.
1: Well, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. If people w- would like to read more of your stuff, you're on Twitter at m wigan Leeds and you also have quite a few articles up at the Centre for the Analysis of the Radical Right.
0: That's right. Thank you very much.
1: Well, Andy, that was a very interesting chat with Dr. Meta Vigan there. Indeed, Kim. We'll be back next week. Global Indifada is up next. See you later. Bye-bye.
0: There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events, and programs. With Facebook stripping content, it's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new T-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855 AM. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au